Assassination. Assassination. Congratulation. Commiseration. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay. Hi guys, welcome to Two Trees and Dirty Lie, a historical podcast about history, killing, assassinations, friendship. It is. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I know for our usual listeners, that must have just been offensive. You're waiting to hear my voice <laughs> and you just heard that. <laughs> welcome to the official podcast. Hi guys. <laughs> Welcome to Two Truths and a Dirty Lie, a podcast about facts, figures, and weird things from the past. I'm your host, Des, and that was... Your co-host, Tim Tyre. Yes. TMT, and some know me by us. Um, or? Tim Tyre, you're very excited today. I'm in a good mood. Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, well, you know what? Welcome, the, everyone. I think, I think you're us. excited because it's my birthday. Is it? Well, this comes out the day after my birthday. I like that you're calculating like time and you know the movements of you know time by your birthday. Like your birthday is the focal point and everything around it. Have you ever heard of main character syndrome? Because I live it. <laughs> I live and breathe it. Okay. I play the starring role in my own blockbuster movie. Fair enough. Everyone is a protagonist. But no one is as much of a protagonist as you. Thank so you I, very I, much. Yeah, I, I take that yeah. as a compliment. Welcome <laughs> to our podcast. Each week, I hit him tire with three quote-unquote facts. And he has to figure out what is true and what is the dirty lie what has actually happened in history? Last week we talked about people who refused to die. This week we're talking about people who they succeeded in killing. <laughs> <laughs> they, <laughs> they, the the big man, the man, the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what led me down this path? You know how I am sometimes. It's three a.m. and Russia Ukraine has been on CNN for like five hours straight. So I look into some. Russian history and some Russian leaders and some of them have been assassinated and I found this guy Yevhen Mikhailovich who was born in June of 1891 and died in May of 1938 he was a military commander of the Ukrainian National Republican Army and um, he was killed with a chocolate bomb nice like, it's a little throwback. It's a throwback, right? I was like, episode one, you know, we spoke about how they tried to kill Churchill with a bomb that looked like a bar of chocolate. They actually killed um, this Ukrainian, you know, Republic Army uh, military commander with a bomb that was hidden inside of an actual box of chocolate. Just to be clear, what, what, what year was this? This was in 1938, and he was killed by the Soviets. Wow, okay. Yeah, these people have been beefing for a very long time. That's what I learned. Mm-hmm. I, I learned that the beef goes deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he was killed in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Also, when I was looking at assassinations at 3 a.m., um, I'm single in case you couldn't tell this <laughs> <laughs> so what I was doing over the weekend I saw a lot of assassinations in France but then I saw that the apparent culprits of a lot of these assassinations in France in recent history last century or so yeah is um, Mossad oh 
bro. Mossad will get you anywhere. No, but especially France. They have a yeah. <laughs> French government. There's something they have called um, Operation Wrath of God. If you guys ever it's have... It's such a dramatic name. Bro. Oh my God. It was in response, though, in all fairness, to the um, Israeli Olympic... Um, Munich. Yeah, it's it's response to Munich, you know, when members of the Israeli Olympic team were killed, were assassinated. So Operation Wrath of God was a response to that. It was like a revenge, uh, you know, operation. Bro, they murked people everywhere. By murked, you mean killed? Yes, by murked, I mean killed. (laughs) But okay, that's not what we're talking about today, though. Yeah, what are we talking about today? What are your facts? My facts for today. I'm gonna focus a little bit on African assassinations. Okay. However, instead of us talking about us killing each other, let's talk about them killing us. The them today, right, is the French government. In case uh, anyone doesn't know, the French government had a lot of colonies in Africa, especially Western and Central Africa part of la plus grande france and um in the fight for independence the french got their hands very dirty so today's facts number one roland mumi an independence hero of cameroon was assassinated by the french while having lunch in geneva when they dropped thallium in his soup soup <laughs> soup <laughs> I don't like you I don't like you I actually got that wrong and they dropped thallium in his aperitive how do you say that? aperitive aperitive? yeah okay um, number two aperitive wow you are a bully <laughs> sorry you are a bully, Tim Tyler. Sorry. I'm I just I wanted to check. I didn't I didn't know you would get Aperitive. I think you said it well, actually. Aperitive? You did, yeah, did, you did aperitive. the accent. You see, you know what? It's, but it's not a French word, is it? Is it not? Is it? It has to be. Fair. Okay, so aperitive is a drink that's everything, you know. So it could be anything, actually. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh. Uh, yeah. And digestive? Oh, f- <laughs> Okay, so where do you want to start from? I don't want to beat you today. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I lost my whole train of thought, babes. Number two. World War One was in part started because the French killed the Prince of Austria and his lover, Baroness Mary Vetsera, an incident known as the Meerling Incident. And number three. Barthelemy Boganda, the first premier of the Central African Republic, was killed by the French in a plane crash on the 29th of March, 1959. They had plotted with his wife, who was a French national. I think number three is the dirty lie. I didn't even land. (laughs) But why? Because I just don't think an African leader's wife would help him get killed. With everything we know about African leaders, I just feel like their wives are really loyal. They will just never engage in such. But continue. You know, sometimes you're being sarcastic. I, I can't tell, but anyone <laughs> listening can't tell. <laughs> Do you know that? I mean, if you listen to the last episode, you know that was it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that was a joke. 
So, which one do you actually think is a lie? Um, I think. Do you think was, the f- so? No, you think I think it's the Italian one that's the lie, hundred percent. See, so that's what I'm saying. Like, do French people love mistresses? Like, mm-hmm. are they gonna kill someone's mistress just because no. they don't like the guy? Yes, because they consider their mistresses as like very important. Yeah, it's so not, that it's one not like it's not like my side chick. No, it's like my mistress. Fair. Know. So that one believable. Yes. So now we're going down to radioactive substances at lunch yes. in Geneva, Switzerland. You know, Switzerland is the neutral place, isn't it? Yes. So you think they're killing? But also, Switzerland was like hub for all the um, espionage work because it was the neutral place so all the spy stuff was going on there because it was you know, it's supposed to be off limits but you know, you know how people are fair fair okay so thallium versus bombing a plane mm-hmm. which one do you think is a lie I think thallium is a lie because it's radioactive so how do you even get it in the drink without being exposed I mean they did it to the dude right can you remember the Russian Dmitry? Uh, or the journalist. Or yeah, that died in in London. That was a radioactive poisoning, wasn't it? Yeah. I wonder how they. I, I just wonder about storage. But yeah, I, I think thallium <laughs> I is. Yeah, I think thallium is lie. Okay. And I, I know I feel like you're trying to throw me off. I think thallium is lie. Okay. Was that right or wrong? You're wrong. Happy birthday to me. Ah. Happy birthday, a day, Suwa. Thank you. Well, thank everyone. you for you know, making me feel like I had a fighting chance. Um, Maybe you are trying to stem in the right direction, not help me feel. Well, you were like already wrong from jump. Uh-uh. Okay, so what's the what's the truth? That what's the lie? Sorry, Which the one? lie is the Prince of Austria. Today they're killing black people. <laughs> <laughs> Today they're killing black people. We're not the Prince of Austria. Fair enough. Should we should we get him out of the way? Yeah, why not? Okay actually very interesting because it does kind of lead to world war one you know franz ferdinand right yes you know everyone who does history in a secondary school they teach you that principe killing franz ferdinand triggered is world war one triggered world war one yeah but how did franz ferdinand even end up being in line to the throne of austria hungary it's because the prince of austria killed himself and his lover in a murder suicide incident see that's what they don't tell you so, on the 30th of January, 1889, in an imperial hunting lodge in Meierling, Rudolf, the crown prince of Austria, and his lover, Baroness Mary Vetsera, were found dead. It was a murder-suicide. Rudolf murdered Mary, and then a few hours later, killed himself. Now, first off, he was 30 and she was 17 we're back with this thing of grown men and teenage girls as bad as it is now imagine what it was like before Ugh. you know we, as a collective we sort of grew conscious yeah like she oh so basically um he was the only person who was in line to the throne of austria hungary so his murder suicide destabilized the empire and um, that's kind of what leads to the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand by Gravilo Princip. And that's essentially what leads to, that. Well, that's what triggers off the First World War. But let's talk about this Meerling incident. So Rudolf was married to Princess Stephanie of Belgium. And he was the only son of Emperor Franz 
Joseph and Empress Elizabeth, and he was the heir apparent to the throne of Austria-Hungary. Rudolf and his wife were essentially in a loveless marriage, and his wife knew he was having affairs. They had had one child known as Esri or Elizabeth, um, but due to his affairs outside of marriage, he had actually infected his wife with syphilis, rendering her unable to have any more children. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So this was not his first affair, and this was not his favorite uh, mistress. Apparently, he had actually asked one of his other mistresses if he and her could do a murder-suicide. He was a troubled man. Um, there are a lot of theories about what his motivation could have been. Mm. And um, some people, some historians argue that it's because he felt a lot of guilt about actually infecting his wife with syphilis. Some say that he'd always dealt with just depression and just not really being exactly uh, mentally there. But uh, he had asked another of his mistresses, who was an older paramour, if they could have a lone murder suicide and she was like no um and then he goes and asks mary who was 17 very impressionable very young and who thought she was in this love pact she actually wrote a letter to her mother which is um which was issued in 2015 by the austrian national library and in her letter she says dear mother please forgive me for what i've done i could not resist love in accordance with him, I want to be buried next to him in the cemetery of Aland. I am happier in death than in life. Fair. What? Unfortunately, he convinced this young girl to go along with his plans. And, um, mm -hmm. and their deaths kind of, you know, destabilized Austria-Hungary and the region. And that's how Franz Ferdinand uh, ends up in line to the throne also you know like how franz ferdinand was shot yeah that day that he was shot they tried to kill him like three times before that <laughs> um him surviving three assassinations and in the same day yeah. i mean they finally got him in the end but the still. numbers game <laughs> and also do you know how they got him in the end i don't put the cat yeah but the guy who shot him um gavilo princip he was supposed to shoot him earlier in the day they had this plot First, they threw a grenade under his car, but the car swerved. The driver saw the grenade come in, the car swerved. It exploded under another car in his entourage. He survived that. Then they tried to shoot at him. He survived that. Now, Gavrilo Princip, like, so he, he thinks it's all over. You know, we we're supposed to get him on the way to somewhere. It's all over. We didn't get Franz Ferdinand. He goes into a cafe and then he sees, like... Despite the advice of his... So I remember like No 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 not Franz Ferdinand like the security guy. the assassin Oh Princip goes into a cafe right after the day of activities Franz Ferdinand is like heading back to leave mm -hmm. and he takes the wrong route his driver takes the wrong route on the route that his driver takes Princip is chilling in a cafe and he's like oh that's who I'm trying to kill that's who I'm trying to kill so he just busts out from the cafe and shoots <laughs> him like oh and also, like, Gravillo Principe comes out. They realize they're taking the wrong route. So the driver tries to reverse, mm -hmm. but then the car stalls. Mm. And then Principe shoots. That's why you always use automatic over manual. I keep telling these walkers, <laughs> just 
invest. I know they try to keep their money to themselves, but just invest in a nice little automatic. If it's a Camry, fine. <laughs> or a, uh, what's that one? The Corolla. Get a Corolla. It was the Rolls Royce. It wasn't. So yeah, murder suicide. Where have I seen that before? Romeo and Juliet. Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, was that? That was a suicide. <laughs> was it murder suicide? A miscommunication. Yeah, because Romeo. <laughs> Romeo found her and he thought she was dead, so he killed himself. And then she woke up. And she was like, "What?" And then she saw him dead, and she killed herself. <laughs> oh wow! I okay, I do know this. I yeah. sh- I should have known this. But do you know where I've actually seen this before? Many, it happens. Many it happens places. a lot. Abby. Chris Benoit. Who's Chris Benoit? Wrestler. Was it a murder suicide? Yeah, he killed his entire family and then upped himself. Wow, um, men are scary. Yeah. Okie dokie. Also, he had like, they did his autopsy and he had the craziest amount of, what's that thing called? CT. Ah, uh, yeah, the brain thing yeah, from concussions. Thing. Yeah, concu- like mm. he had the craziest amount they had seen. <laughs> like people, people couldn't understand how he was functioning. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you about to rap? Is it? Am I about to rap? Number two. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> said said rap, no scat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having the time of my life. My birthday is coming up. It's a national holiday. Let's go. Okay, number two. We're talking about France's dirty war in Cameroon. Let's back up a little bit. Okay. I remember like when I was learning about French as colonial masters, depending on what source you read it from, you're like, oh, French people are not as racist. They like to have uh, African mistresses. They mixed more. They believed in like direct rule. They were not all high and mighty like the British. Mm-hmm. But then you read it from the other side and you're like, they eradicated traditional languages and cultures. If you go to Francophone West Africa, they speak French. And nothing else. Yeah. like That's interesting. In a lot of places, they, they, they don't speak out. Like, you know how we speak Pidgin, English, and Yoruba? And uh, because the British felt high and mighty, they didn't come and la- literally like destroy our languages Mm -hmm. so i mean it's not completely eradicated and it's not everywhere but the french do not get a bad enough rep for the type of colonial damage that they did in africa especially western and central africa that's why we're here but that is exactly why i'm here today (laughs) when i no, i promise i was reading about the assassinations that the French government had their hands in from like um, Central African Republic, Equatorial Guinea, Cameroon, Senegal, Algeria, Libya. I was just going through all these things and I was like, oh my goodness, like it's a lot. So we're going to talk about two true ones today. And first one I'm going to talk about is the radioactive poisoning of Roland Mumi. So this is from a book called Victoria Britain Race and Class. The use of political assassinations against key leaders of liberation movements has had a major impact on the course of history in Africa and the Middle East. Not only have some of the greatest of the third world leaders been killed, but so too has the hope for political change that they embodied. In October of 1960, Dr. Felix Roland Mumi, the exile leader of the Cameroonian Nationalist Movement, the Union des Populations du Cameroun, UPC, traveled to Geneva, Switzerland on a mission. By the way, 
he was exiled. At this point in time, the French had killed, displaced, or sent chased out half a million Cameroonians. And one important history of Cameroon to note is that Cameroon was a German colony, which after World War I was split between Britain and French. So you had the French-controlled parts of Cameroon, and you had the English-controlled parts of Cameroon. These Europeans sat down between themselves in Europe and split us amongst themselves. Wow. Mumi was living in Conakry, which is modern-day Guinea, where the UPC had set up their headquarters in exile. And he was invited to dinner when he got to Geneva by an individual called William Betchell, who claimed to be a journalist. It turns out William Betchell was a reserve officer in the French Secret Service, the SDC, which... Show them come. Oh, no, it's like (laughs) S-D-E-C-E. Why do you do this to me? I'm sorry. Okay, but do you know what you're going to do for doing that? Because you're going to make fun of the way I pronounce it. You go ahead and pronounce this. this, 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 this. Let me see it. Okay. Service de documentation, etc. De contre espionage. You forgot the A de contre espionage. That is horrible. <laughs> good, good job. It's just you just have to be confident and power through. Service de service documentation espionage. I don't know that because you hear about CIA, and Mossad, and MI5. Have you ever heard of the Studisti, <laughs> the SDC? Have you ever heard of the French Secret Service? Um. I feel like because Interpol have a massive presence in France, I just figured they were like the de facto. No, <laughs> no. French people, the French government have their own CIA, which obviously that makes sense. But until I was looking at all these people they've killed, I realized I never hear about the SDC. So let's go. The SDC had apparently... You will hear me say apparently a lot because they have only admitted to some of these things, but they did it. The SDC had what was called a main rouge, which was the Red Hand, a covert unit within the organization, which was charged with assassinating anti-French and pro-independent African nationalists and their supporters in Europe. So this was under... Charles de Gaulle's um, government, by the way. And so this guy asks Mumi to meet up for lunch. Mumi knew he was at risk. He knew the French government was dangerous. And at the time, he knew that they were targeting and murdering African nationalists, as well as some journalists and academics who supported African nationalists and African independence. But he believed that while he was in Geneva, he would be safe because he felt that Swiss neutrality meant that nothing would happen in Switzerland. Right. So a lot of my information is based on a book called La Piscine. Um, La Piscine? La Piscine, not 
Ayla. La piscine. Which, la piscine? No, just la piscine. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Should I try one more time? You should know la piscine is a pool. Oh, okay. Thank you. It's an investigative book on the French Secret Service right. by Roger Fallagot and Pastel Krupp. And they, in the book, there's an account of the Mumi assassination as narrated to them by General Paul Grossin, who is the head of the SDC from 1957 to 1962. According to Grossin, Mumi showed up for dinner at Plat d'Argent restaurant on Saturday, October 15, 1960, with Jean-Martin Chapchet, the president of the French section of the UPC. So, you know, you had French section fighting for independence for Cameroon. And upon their arrival, Mumi was told that he had a phone call, which he thought was weird because who knows that he's in you know having lunch at this plat d'argent anyways Mumi leaves the table to go answer the phone and Betchel this SDC agent distracted Chapchet with some documents on Cameroon and then poured a lethal dose of thallium into Mumi's aperitive aperitive I've come back with this word and <laughs> I'm just lucky that my age, Yoruba age factor is not even hooking me in the beginning because I'm struggling. Anyways, Mumi returns later saying that, oh, he went to the phone and there was no one on the other end. But when he comes back, he doesn't touch his aperitive. Mm. Can I just say drink from now on, Tim Tyre, please? Aperitive. <laughs> he in, doesn't... In France, it's aperitive. Okay. He doesn't touch this drink that has this lethal dose of thallium inside of it. And... um. Betchel starts panicking because he's like, I just poured poison, some radioactive poison into this man's drink. And he's not, it seems like he doesn't care for this drink, but he's drinking his wine. So he's able to then pour a second dose, his backup dose of thallium into Mumi's wine. Right. And apparently, you know, Mumi is like swigging the wine. So he drinks up this whole dose of thallium and this William Betchel is like, oh, good i've killed i've killed the black liberation fighter according to the book betchel was ecstatic and the way the poison was done by the french the poison would only take effect after mumi had returned to conakry which is in guinea in uh, africa and they felt that the anti-french president secouture would be blamed for mumi's death or like you know it would be seen as you know very strange circumstances like why is this guy dying in your custody essentially or in your country but things did not go as planned what (laughs) that's for suspense (laughs) well (laughs) it was the first time that this particular poison had been used by the french Mm-hmm. And apparently the French doctors who had made it were incompetent. Mm. The poison was poorly refined and did not work the way it was supposed to. However, this was just the beginning of the ineptitude of the French. Can you imagine? The assassin then administered the wrong dose. This is because just before the end of dinner, Mumi suddenly picked up his untouched aperitif and drank it oh tim tayo you are Ooh. keep going 
and drank it, yeah. thereby taking a double dose of the thallium poison. Because now he's drank the. Tim Ty, I'm going to beat you when we are done recording today. Ooh. Sorry, that's a sad sound. That's a sad sound. <laughs> that is. You know, we'll build our own sound deck later and we'll have sound, sounds we need. But we'll keep going. Okay. I want to beat you. <laughs> Mumi was a great guy. And he's dying right now. He's just taking a double dose of poison. Because he's drank poison. He's drank thallium in his wine. Mm-hmm. And he's drank thallium in his aperitif. So he's taken a double dose of a poison that was made by incompetent French doctors. Who already made the poison not act like it was supposed to. Oh. So as soon as he drank it, he was sick. And it was too strong, so he could not actually f- catch his flight to Conakry. He ended up being admitted to the hospital in Geneva. Mm. And he lived there in great pain and agony for two weeks before dying on the 3rd of November 1960 at the age of 34. Horrible. He was 34. See, the French were killing a 34-year-old Mumi in 1960. And when I saw the age he died, it reminded me of the American government and the FBI killing... Martin. No, no, MLK. Which also MLK died in his... I think it was... I think like late 30s, early 40s. Uh, yes. But not... And um, Malcolm X also died in his late 30s, early 40s. But... I was thinking about the head of the Chicago Black Panther Party. Who actually Fred is Hampton. Fred Hampton. He was 21, wasn't he? He was young. Like, they were killing... I it's Children. Not, not children. I'm not even going to use children. But young... Like, when they say the word young revolutionaries, like, they're not... It's, it's not a misnomer. Like, it's actually young revolutionary leaders. There's a 34-year-old man who is fighting for the independence of his country and who was doing so much work that they were sitting down in a lab thinking of poisons to use to kill him anyways as a result of this botched operation the swiss police quickly realized that mumi had been poisoned the first suspect was a lilian who was described either as mumi's secretary or a woman of the night with whom he spent his time in geneva then they suspected Jean-Martin Chapchet, who was the UPC, um, head of the UPC in France, who he, who he had also been at lunch with. And then finally, they found traces of thallium in William Bettel's apartment and on his clothes, which was obviously an indication that he had handled the thallium and that it had been with him before it was ingested by Mumi Mm. however they made no arrest how do you find thallium like it's not Fanta it's not like a regular do you know what I'm saying it's it's not something you just find on the streets how Mm. do you find doctored thallium in someone's apartment and on their clothes and you don't arrest them but apparently there's a lot of political pressure from the French and Betrol was whisked out of Geneva by the French government and the Swiss government turned a blind eye and he was resettled in the, in the south of France. This man was living in a tub in like 
can or needs. <laughs> yeah. Just oh. having a really nice time. Even this, he was arrested in Belgium in 1979. That's not 30 years. So how old was he at that time? Um, William Betchel. I didn't know his age. I didn't even want to see what his face looked like. I'm sure it would have vexed me. Um, But in 1979, um, William Betchel was arrested in Belgium and extradited. And in 1980, he was set free without a trial after a French judge inexplicably rendered a judgment of non-suit. As by no case submission, the French Yikes. version of no case submission. Yikes. I don't like that. So. I mean, it's expected, but I don't like it. According to a documentary um, by Frank Gaberly, um, which was broadcast on Swiss TV in 2005, the Mumi case was a political hot potato for both the French government and Switzerland because on the Swiss side, they were. F- there were fears that the case would reveal how they had a neutral Switzerland, which supposedly neutral Switzerland, had collaborated with and covered the tracks of the French Secret Service. The documents of the Swiss Federal Police reveal that the assassination of Félix Moumier could have been prevented. In fact, the authorities in Bern had alerted Geneva's police chief, Charles Necht, about William Bechtel's activities a month before Moumier was killed. But Geneva didn't react because the secret agent and the head of the Geneva police were old friends. So did the Geneva police simply turn a blind eye towards Agent Bechtel's activities, or were the French and Swiss secret services collaborating? The former head of the French secret service, Maurice Robert, replies. Yes, yes, I've cooperated with the Swiss services, at least during a certain period. At the time, Switzerland was like a meeting point for spies. Switzerland's neutrality was useful for special operations and led to many extremes. William Betchel never paid for his crime, by the way. And this happened, so Mumi was assassinated in Switzerland at around the same time that the Algerian War of Independence was going on. So... People were distracted by French brutality in Algeria and kind of, and French brutality in Cameroon just, I guess, went under the radar. So, yes, that is the story of Dr. Felix Mumi and how he was killed while having lunch in Geneva, Switzerland by the French Secret Service. And, you know, the Algerian War of Independence, which I feel like is still reigns in our consciousness, resulted in the death of more than 300,000 Algerians, mm-hmm. including up to 60,000 civilians. And that is a lot of people. I feel like any war where 60,000 civilians die. 300,000 casualties. But there were more than half a million Cameroonians who lost their lives in the Cameroonian um, fight for independence. Wow. More than half a million. So you even within, like, is it racism? Is it like... Genocide. I'm not going to use the word genocide because I do like to stick to official definitions. But from, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. But, yeah. No, but like, even in my consciousness, and I, I'm West African, and I, I do know about the civil wars um, in Cameroon and I do know a little about the fight for independence 
but the Algerian fight for independence is kind of larger in my consciousness and I'm also West African with you know my fellow Cameroonians it just doesn't sit right with me but okay let's go to Barthelemy Buganda there's something called Buganda Day Buganda Buganda I'm dancing ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, okay okay it's a it's a bad thing though because it's the day he was killed but uh the 29th of march is celebrated in central african republic as boganda day this was dancing right now this is where you should be using your sound effects if i have anything good yeah go Okay, okay, okay. Boganda was born in 1910 and died, as I said, on the 29th of March, 1959. He was a Central African politician and an independence activist. He is considered the father of the nation of the Central African Republic, and he served as the first premier of the Central African Republic when it was an autonomous territory when it was still being administered by France under the name of Ubangui Chari. Um, he was originally a Roman Catholic priest. He was adopted by the church when his parents died and he was ordained as a priest in 1938. During World War II, he served in a number of missions and in 1946, he became the first Obanguian, who was elected into the National Assembly of France. While a member of the National Assembly of France, he spoke out against racism and the abuses of the colonial regime. And then he returned to Obangui Shari to form a political organization, culminating in the foundation of the Movement for the Social Evolution of Black Africa, Masan. He was extremely popular, especially amongst villagers and the peasantry. He was born poor to poor farmers. And um, he left the church and married a Michel Jourdain, a parliamentary secretary and French national. Charles de Gaulle again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 1958. Um, he was fighting for Central African independence and um, the leader of France at that time was the French Prime Minister Charles de Gaulle who the airport is named after that's all I know about Charles de Gaulle until I read about French all I know is the airport yeah right Charles de Gaulle airport well the secret service were killing a lot of africans under him so another thing to know anytime you fly through air france oh <laughs> guess what right. this is not really said but my uncle calls air france air chance he said now by chance did he land that plane oh. <laughs> <laughs> do we have old planes air france is just rickety and i don't know fair enough Anyways. they have planes that were good like in the 90s yeah yeah but now we're in 2022 it's been a couple of decades it has been a few years have gone by. i mean if you look at how they're treating revolutionary leaders then you know how they'll treat their african uh, flight passengers <laughs> yeah. so um 
Boganda wanted to form something called the United States of Latin Africa. He felt that those states within Central Africa, first of all, it was because they all spoke Romance or Latin-based languages, right? right? So we speak about how they... And so they're not uh, English-speaking like we are. And some of the ter- the countries today, which would have been within those territories, are Angola, Burundi, French Cameroon, Central African Republic, Chad, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Equatorial Guinea, Gabon, the Republic of Congo, and Rwanda. So he felt that, like, let's kind of come together, regardless of religion and tribe and form sort of a political and economic block so that's one of his that's something he's known for so now let's talk about his death so on the 29th of march 1959 he boarded a plane at berberati and he was flying to bangui the plane went missing the wreckage was discovered the following day and all four crew and five passengers were found dead and Boganda was also flying with the government's chief of information and a member of the uh, assembly also dead i imagine yes (laughs) yeah traces of explosives were found in the wreckage but then the french high commissioner ordered that all copies of the reporting edition be suppressed in the central african republic and a report was never published inquiry was destroyed Mm. No cause for the crash has ever been determined officially. But again, a lot of people believe that the SDCE had a role in it, especially because explosives were found on the plane. Some people say that they were working with his wife or that she had a hand in it because apparently he didn't like her very much anymore. Mm -hmm. He thought about becoming a priest again. He thought about becoming a priest again and she had taken a life insurance policy out against him a few weeks before the crash. Many Central Africans believe that it was an assassination. Many people believe that it was aided by the French Secret Service. And historian Gerard Prunier wrote, the probability of foul play was very high. Um, They also hated his intelligence, which was unsettling to their view of black inferiority. I mean, none of this is surprising, is it? So, yes. Not in the least. In Central African Republic, they celebrate Boganda Day on the 29th. And um, I will be joining them next 29th of March to celebrate Boganda Day. Hey. Well, not there. In Lagos. Oh. I'll shake my booty for Boganda from here. Oh. But yeah. I went from... (laughs) I have sound effects now In case you guys (laughs) (laughs) Tim Tyre Last week you were playing with stickers Now you're playing with sounds I don't know what we're gonna do next week Like you are 30 now Yeah Strap up No Life is is nothing without stickers and sound And sounds Um Okay, well, today we've spoken about Europeans killing themselves and killing us. Mm -hmm. So, not necessarily light day, but I hope you have learned about Boganda. 
I hope you've learned about Roland Rumi. In case you're wondering of African like revolutionary thought leaders and revolutionary leaders who have been killed by the French, you can also research Ruben Um Inyobe, who was another anti-colonialist um, Cameroon le- leader was slain by the french army in 1958 they literally chased this man into a tree and shot him just insane a lot of our history is obscured it might be hard to find and a lot of these people are not as celebrated uh continent-wide as they should be so yes thank you this has been two truths and a dirty lie thank you so much for listening to us you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts and at the dirty lie podcast on instagram and at the dirty lie podcast on twitter you can also find tmt at tmt is clutch on twitter you can also send your happy birthdays to me i know it's it's gonna be a very exciting day for all of us here at 2tdl if you want us to talk about any african leaders or anything in particular please send us messages we love getting your messages we love when you comment um share our stories and also like i get people sending me documentary clips and all sorts of things on instagram especially and i enjoy it so so much i love i love when you interact with our content um have a lovely week bye guys